If you got your Bibles, go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 5 through 8. Um, man, what an incredible weekend it's been uh, as, we've, as we've worked through, worked through this content uh, all day long. Uh, I've been excited to get to the 5 p.m. service. You are my favorite service. Um, just, just saying, just putting it out there. Don't tell 9. If you're from 9 and 11, you didn't hear it. So, But uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 5 through 8 says this. This is Paul writing. He says, I will visit you after passing through Macedonia, for I intend to pass through Macedonia. Perhaps I will stay with you or even spend the winter so that you may help me on my journey wherever I go. For I do not want to just see you now in passing. I hope to spend some time with you if the Lord permits. Now, a little background to this. Paul writes two letters to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. Um, I would actually argue, at least from what I've studied, um, I believe if there is favoritism from a pastor, this is Paul's favorite church. He's planted a lot of churches. He oversees a lot of churches. But this church in particular is a church that he deals a lot with. And, uh, and I think one of the reasons that it was probably his favorite is because it was the church that had so much crazy in it, okay? This was a church that was extremely dysfunctional. It had a lot of weird things happening in it. And come on, let's just be honest, we're all drawn to weird things, okay? And so this was Paul's weird church, and he loved it, and he wanted, he wanted so desperately to be with them. And that's why he writes, to not just pass through, not just say hi, but he wanted to actually spend the winter with them. And, uh, and then he writes this in, in, in verse 8, all right? He says, but I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost for a wide door. Everybody shout door. door. Come on, everybody shout door. door. For a wide door for effective work has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. When Timothy comes, see that you put him at ease among you, for he is doing the work of the Lord as I am. So let no one despise him, help on his way in peace, that he may return to me, for I am expecting him with the brothers. Today I want to speak to you from the subject, open doors. Open doors. As we deal with the issue of opportunity and open doors in our life. Will you just pray with me one more time tonight? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's alive and it's active, that it's powerful, that it has the ability to transform us from the inside out. God, I thank you for these amazing people tonight. I thank you for this moment that we've just had in worship, as we've given glory and praise to you, as we've taken the focus off of us and we've put the focus on you. And so God, right now as we open your word, as we gaze upon your grace, as we experience your presence, may we do so with open hearts, with actively listening ears, knowing that you have something to say to us tonight. And so we ask that you would speak because we're listening. We love you, we worship you, we set our hearts attuned to you, may these be your words, not my words, God. We ask all this in your name, the name which is above every name, to which every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. We love you and we worship you in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, and everybody shouted, amen. amen. I like going places where I'm not allowed to go. <laughs> Come on, is there anybody else that, that's kind of like me? Like, you, Would you call yourself mischievous, right? And maybe you like to break the rules a little bit. You like to push the envelope. Uh, full disclosure, uh, I was talking about this uh, all day today. My wife maybe heard this for the first time. I actually, when I take my kids to Costco or we go to Costco, my kids inevitably have to go to the bathroom. And to get to the bathrooms at the Costco that we go to, you have to stop by the break room. And I have been known to let my kids just wander to the bathroom as I take a detour into the break room. And uh, I don't belong there by any measure uh, at all, but there's just something to me, because it's a wide open door, right? Like, so you just walk in, and I kind of, <laughs> hi, hi, I'm just on break, and they have pizza back there, and they have the TV gone, they have, all, they have all the Costco things are in the back room, and so 
I'm not supposed to be there, and they kind of look at me weird, but how many of you know that if you just act confident, you can be anywhere you want to be? Right? They're just looking at you like, who's that? Just lost my name tag. That's all. This is a good break room. It's a good break room. Have you had the pizza? Right? So I'll occasionally wander in there, and, and, and I love kind of just pushing the envelope a little bit. But I think this, this gene or this trait, if I could call it that, has been passed down to my son because he's a wanderer as well. And, and I kind of love it. And so we were at Sportsman's Warehouse um, literally last, last week. It's the Lord's store. Um, and uh, as we were there, I was, I was looking for some fishing stuff and some other things. And so we wandered into this back section of Sportsman's Warehouse. If you've ever been there, it's on 72nd. And uh, we were kind of in this back area. And I turned my head to look at, at this article of clothing. And sure enough, as fast as I turned my head to look at this and looked back to make sure that Justice was with me, he was gone. And as I was looking for him, like, you know, you, if you're a parent, you know what I'm talking about, all of a sudden panic ensues as fast as it could, like, it's just boom, it's there. And so I thought, all of a sudden, man, my kid's gone. But sure enough, I looked, and as I looked, there was this, this set of stairs going up into this area that was for sure off limits, and he's darting up the stairs. And I'm like, no! And I'm just like running after him, I'm like, wait, Justice, stop! Stop, what are you doing? And he's like, Dad, it was open. And I was like, Fair enough, let's go. <laughs> and so we wandered into this area that you're not supposed to be in, right? And apparently he's done this before with his grandfather. I didn't even know about this, right? But <laughs> his grandfather was like, yeah, just go, it's fine. <laughs> and so, but I think there's this thing that's like kind of almost instinctual. It's almost like it's, there's this like draw fact. I think we're all curious in some sort of way. Because if you're like me, and, and, I, and I found that a lot of people are, we have a tendency to be drawn to open doors. Right? We have a tendency to want to, with curiosity, see what's behind door A. See what's behind door B. And this is the issue that Paul is dealing with as he speaks to the Corinthians. He's dealing with the issue of opportunity and our heart's desire to step into opportune moments. And all of us desire opportunity, right? And I think if I could boil down, there's like maybe a, a top five questionnaire that's given to me as I sit with people in coffees and lunches and so on and so forth, and I meet with people. Uh, I, I would say that I can boil most conver conversations down to about five top topics, and this is one of them. What do I do with opportunity that's in front of me? Maybe you've thought that before. How does this work with the will of God? Is God leading me into opportunity? Is this from God? Is it not from God? Should I take this opportunity? Should I take this job? Should I date this person? Should I marry this person? Should I leave this person? Should I run very far away from this person? Like whatever it may be, all of us are on this journey where we're trying to figure out these door issues. Do I step through these doors? Do I take this opportunity? Do I go to this college? Do I take this job? Do I take this promotion? Do I move across the country? Do I leave Utah? No, stay. Stay in Utah. Right? Yeah. And the Bible's pretty explicit about doors. It's very interesting. In Hosea chapter 2, verse 15, it says this, And there I will give her her vineyards and make the valley of Achor a door of hope. The door of hope. The interesting thing is about the valley of Achor, that, that word Achor actually has a very derogative term. It's a, it's a very depressed term, a very dark term. And this is what God is saying, is that I will make your valley of darkness into a place of hope. 
in your darkest moment, in your darkest hour, I'm actually going to give you a door of hope that you can step through. And I don't know about you, but that's some good news for me, is that when I'm in my lowest point, when I'm in my darkest point, when I'm in my hardest point, there is a door of hope that I can walk through. It's the door of hope. Acts chapter 14, verse 27 says this, and when they arrived and gathered the church together, they declared all that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith a door of faith. And so the Bible talks about these doors of, doors of faith, exercising faith. Come on, everybody in here, at one point or another in life, you are going to have to step through a door of faith. It's going to be a part of your journey. It's going to be a part of your walk with Jesus to step through a door of faith. Colossians chapter 4, verses 3 through 4. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word. This is what we call the door of proclamation. This should be our prayer every single day. God, give me an open door to proclaim your goodness and your grace in my sphere of influence to the people around me. I look for every opportunity. I pray daily, God, give me a moment, not just when I'm standing behind this pulpit, but my gym can be my pulpit, my college can be my pulpit, my workplace can be my pulpit, to declare the goodness of who he is in my life and in others' lives. This is the door of proclamation and then Revelation chapter 3, verse 8 says this, I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door. Watch this. One, no one is able to shut. In other words, it's a door of permanence. That's how powerful our God is. When he opens doors, no one can shut them. Right? The Bible tells us the gifts and the calling of God on our lives are irrevocable. That means he's given them freely as a gift. And a lot of us struggle with that, don't we? We struggle with this idea, man, I've messed up. He must be taking everything away from me. I've, I've, I've broken it again. I've sinned again. I've said it again. I've thought it again. I've done it again. So everything must be taken away. And this is how we know that God is a good God because the doors that he opens in our life, he doesn't shut them. We may have a detour in order to get through them again, but he's faithful to move us back to a place where we now have the opportunity to walk into it again. Right? And so no one can shut those doors doors. Acts tells us that if God is in it, no man can be against it. So we got to ask the question, what opportunity is before us? What opportunity is God leading us into? So when Paul wrote about the open door before him, the Corinthians knew and they understood what he was speaking of. And the reality is, is that life brings opportunity. Change brings opportunity. Growth brings opportunity. Newness brings opportunity. Life is going to bring us, no matter where you find yourself at, life is going to bring us new and specific opportunities. Here's the question. Do we have the ability to steward it? Much like resource, time, money, gifts, talents, all of those things, the question we have to ask ourselves is this. Do I have the ability to steward opportunity well. And that should be our goal. Our goal should be to steward opportunity. I want to be a good steward. Come on, does anybody else in here tonight want to be a good steward of opportunity? And in order to do that, we've got to understand some things. We have to be willing, ready, and prepared to walk through open doors that God's, bring, God's bringing into our life. But the only way to do that is to have a heart, have a mind, have a desire to steward it. Well, and so it's in these verses that Paul then gives us three very specific truths about opportunity that we need to understand if we're going to seize what God has 
for each and every single one of us, whether individually, as a couple, um, as a church, no matter where we find ourselves at in life. So I need your help to, to get through this tonight. I need everybody to shout number one. Number one, the first truth is this. Every opportunity requires permission. Every opportunity requires permission. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 7. Let's go back to the Bible. For I do not want to see you now just in passing. I hope to spend some time with you if the Lord permits. If the Lord permits. Every opportunity requires permission. James actually deals with this issue in chapter 4 and verse 15 of his letter when he says, instead you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or or do that. But here's the problem, right? This is the the stark reality of our humanity is that we want to do it our way, right? And I did it my way, right? We want to do it our way. I will have Tourette's with song tonight multiple times, just so you know. (laughs) We want to do it our way, don't we? We don't want permission, Forget permission. Why? Because we want to break the rules. We want to wander into Costco's break room and have nobody say otherwise. (laughs) I've got my own way of doing things. I've got my my own system. I've got my own procedures. Come on, maybe maybe you haven't wrestled with God the way that I have when it comes to, I know God wants me to do this, but come on, I want to do this, right? I know that I'm supposed to go in this direction, but I really want to go in this direction. Why? Because this direction is more fun. (laughs) This direction's a little bit easier. We'll talk about that in a few more points. This direction doesn't have as much collateral damage, but if I, if, I, if I do this, if I follow Jesus here, it changes everything. Come on, we are creature of habit, right? We do not want change. Some of us love changing the paint color and the furniture over and over and over again, but for the predominant amount of us human beings, we do not like change, right? If we change it, oh, it screws with us. It messes with us. And so God says, look, every opportunity requires permission. Why? Because all our purposes and opportunity, Matthew Henry, the great commentator, says, every opportunity, every purpose must be made with submission to divine providence. Because in that is God's wisdom and care and guidance for our lives. You start to really understand this when you become a parent. My kids want to do all kinds of things without my permission. But in it, in them asking permission, I'm helping guide and shape them. Dad, can I watch this movie? No. Why? Because of this, 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 and this. I'm trying to guide them. I'm trying to protect them. And the same relationship exists with us and God. When we go to God and we say, hey, okay, God, I want to submit to your plan and your purpose and your will for my life. I want to walk this thing out. Can I do this? No. Never mind. I wasn't really asking anyways. <laughs> All right? Can we be truthful tonight? <laughs> Can we be honest at how, how we interact? Because look, I do it too. Right? We say this a lot around here. I'm not preaching from a, a, a pulpit of perfection. I argue with God all the time about things. And I've even told him a few times, I think I know better. And then he's like, no, you don't. I'm like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> it's by God's power and permission and under his direction that we must do everything. See, many of us see opportunity through the lens of what I want to do rather than what he would have me to do. John 5, 19, Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the Son of God can do nothing, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, 
but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. It's the ultimate game of copycat. What would our life look like if we engaged in that game? What would it look like? This is why Paul says, follow me as I follow Jesus. What was he trying to teach? He was trying to teach the game of copycat. One of my greatest desires is that my kids actually mirror most of my behaviors. (laughs) Not all, (laughs) but most. And and they're kind of getting there. They love certain things. And it's not because we've told them to. It's because they've decided, I want to follow mom and dad's lead. What would happen to our lives, each of our lives, if we decided I want to follow Jesus' lead in my life? What would happen to our city if every single one of us decided to walk out of here tonight and said, I'm going to follow Jesus' lead? Every single moment, every single opportunity that I have in my life. See, for many of us, our personal desire does not always match up with God's open door. But maturity says that shouldn't matter because I seek to do what Jesus leads me to do. Come on, have you ever been there before? How your desire doesn't match up with the opportunity? Right? This happens every single time my wife wants to watch a chick flick. Okay? The desire does not match up with the opportunity. Okay? But then I outweigh the, like, the pros and cons of entering into the opportunity against my desire, and I choose opportunity. Right? And I think it's the same way with God so many times. Is that our desire may not align with him all the time, but maturity says that shouldn't matter because I know if I take the opportunity that he's putting before me because he is permissive in this and he's saying, yes, come on, let's do this, that I'm actually stepping into a grand adventure with him. I'm actually stepping into what is going to be beneficial. I'm actually stepping into what is going to be holy. I'm actually stepping into what is going to be good. I'm actually stepping into something that's actually going to birth something else. Because he actually does have a better perspective for our lives than what we have. And so, of course, what happens when we talk like this, in full disclosure, we start feeling things out. Don't we? And that's how most of us live. The reason we struggle with this is because we're feelings-based people, right? And I don't want to take our feelings away from us, but for the most part, come on, how many times have we said this in just like the past two days? I feel like I feel like doing this, I feel like doing that, I feel like I want to be this, I feel like I want to be that. But have you ever been led astray by your feelings? Right? Like how many of you know, sometimes I feel like eating an entire thing of Oreo cookies. God bless Oreos. But how many of you know, probably not the smartest move in life. Right? I felt like onesies, twosies, threesies, and foursies on Thanksgiving Day. I may have partaken in all four, but I felt very bad afterwards. And we say that about very, like, minuscule things, but how many of us feel our way through the biggest decisions of our lives? I feel like this, and here's the full disclosure that I want to give you tonight. His leading in our life is not a feeling. Jesus' leading in our life is not a feeling. It's a truth. We don't feel our way through truths. We submit to truth. We allow truth to change us, not us to change truth. 
And so what happens so many times with this is then we start asking the question, well, how do I know if I'm in the will of God? How do I figure out the will of God for my life and his purpose and his plan and so on and so forth? Well, I'm glad you asked tonight. Here's a couple things you should remember. The first way is use common sense. <laughs> common sense, which how many of you know is not that common anymore? Right? It's like a lost puppy in our generation. <laughs> and part of common sense is prayer. It's being able to interact with intellect and right thinking and understanding when we are making and taking a significant step in our life. Here's the crazy thing. I, I've watched people spend more time on what shirt they will wear to work than when it comes to a decision on the will, plan, and purpose of God for their life. <laughs> Sorry, I love it when that happens. It's awesome. <laughs> it's a great feeling. I just want to sit there for a second. <laughs> right? You like put a shirt on, and you're like, nope. And then next shirt, nope. And, then, and we ask like, hey, does this look good? Like we spend more time on that decision than we do with the decision that is literally going to affect the entirety of our life. And so we've got to use some common sense. And there's common sense involved with our faith in Jesus. But somehow we try to make everything fluffy and super spiritual and religious, don't we? We've got to stop doing that. We've got to use common sense. The second, second thing to kind of overcome this principle when, when we're trying to figure out, God, are, are, are you giving me permission for this? Is we've got, we got to go to reflection on his word. Psalm 119, 105 says this, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. In other words, our life should look like this. Everywhere we walk, we should be holding up the lamp of his word because it's light to my feet. And when I put it down, I'm in darkness. But when I pick it up, I'm back in light. Why? Because literally from cover to cover, nothing else, this word gives me everything that I need to navigate the life that he's called me to live. Why? Because it's his plan and his purpose. But when we start feeling things out, we start getting into dangerous territory. And it's amazing how many times I've heard this comment, I feel like God's calling me to do this, but it goes completely in the opposite direction of his word. And here's the truth for all of us that we need to hear tonight. His voice never differs from his word. His voice never differs from his word. And so if you're feeling something or you're, you believe that you're hearing something, whatever that, that means, we've got to get to the place where we start to come back to his word. And I go, does that align with his word? And if it doesn't align with his word, I can pretty much know that it's not his voice in my life. I've literally had conversations with people who've said, I really just felt like God said, it's, it's, I just need to take a break from him for a little while and pursue some things. And I'm just like, what? What voice is that? <laughs> because I've never seen that before. I've seen pursue him and go after him. And, and when you're growing weary, keep on, keep on going. But I never had like Jesus say, maybe we should take a break for a little bit. <laughs> it's not you, it's me. <laughs> the third way that we can walk this thing out, we can see if God's per permission is in it, is we use wise counsel. Not stupid counsel, wise counsel. 
okay? Proverbs 24, 6, for by wise guidance you can wage your war, and in an abundance of counselors there is victory. Proverbs eleven fourteen, where there is no guidance, a people falls, but in the abundance of counselors there is safety. There is safety, and it's amazing how many times we will go to the counselors in our life, we will go to counsel in our life, who are simply just going to tell us what we want to hear. Can I really challenge you tonight? Like, can I just be your pastor for a minute? If you do not have somebody in your life that will challenge literally everything that you think and say, you don't have the right counsel. Bottom line. Seriously. Like, if you have a bunch of people around you that when you step in, you're like, hey, I'm thinking this, and everybody's like, do that. (laughs) Probably bad counsel. I've got guys in my life who will literally just say no because that's what they need to say. To pause the conversation. Seriously. Because you get amped up on your emotions, right? You get all excited about everything. You're like, yeah, and, and I can talk. Like, I talk. Like, that's what I do. Like, that's, that's my gifting is to talk. And so I can talk myself into some places. And I can talk my board. And I can make things look so good. And so, oh, yeah. And I can get my family on board. And it's like, yeah, right. And then you've got this guy who's like, no. Be quiet. And it's in that moment of silence, and it's in that pause and reflect, that all of a sudden you start to see, oh, maybe I'm looking at that. Maybe I just got too much hype going on right now. Maybe I need to step back so I can actually make a wise decision instead of stepping into something that will destroy me, that I haven't been given permission for. Everybody shout number two. Second truth we need to understand is this. Every opportunity includes an invitation. 1 Corinthians 16, 9, for a wide door of effective work has opened to me. It didn't open to the church in Corinth. It didn't open to anybody else. It was a door open to him. I was in Bible college in Australia. I wouldn't call myself the popular kid by any, I was actually the kid who I got in trouble a lot. Um, And you can get in trouble in Bible college, believe it or not. We don't just sit around and pray. Um, and so, so one afternoon, I find out that there's a party at somebody's house just a few doors down, all right? Not like party like you're thinking, all right? It was like some frat party for, for Bible college. We just took communion together and hung out and sang worship songs. And so, <laughs> just playing, we didn't do that. So there was this party that was, that was happening down the street, and and. Uh, and There was five guys that lived in my house, me and and four other guys. And all four of those guys got an invitation except for me. I know. That's what I said. It's like we're all supposed to love Jesus around here. Where's my invitation, right? And so I didn't get the invitation. Four guys did. I didn't. I was like, that's fine, guys. I'm just going to stay home. We're in Australia. I'll drink tea and uh, have some Vegemite, and it'll be good. And... uh, and so my buddy Chris, do you have the friend who tries to make sure that everybody's like good? You have that friend? And it like doesn't matter how awkward it is, he's gonna, he's gonna like make sure like, are hey, you good, are you good, are you good, you good? Like, oh, it's all right. And so that's my buddy Chris. And Chris says to me, dude, I'm pretty sure they just forgot to send you the invitation. And he wouldn't get off of it. He's like, no, no, seriously, like I know, I know their hearts. And I was like, I don't know their hearts. <laughs> their hearts are evil now, that's all I'm saying. So Chris goes, no, I think it's, it's going to be good, man. Just, just come to the party with me. And I should have I known. I should have stopped there and went, no, get behind me, Satan. Just stayed home and drank my tea. 
But I listened to him, and I said, all right, let's do this. And so we wandered down. It was just a few, few houses down, and so we wandered down there, and, and we showed up, and the four guys were before me because I was kind of sheepishly standing off in the back of the line So I because was, I, was, I was super awkward being there, and I was like, man, I don't know if I should be here. And so the first guys greeted. They're just like, love, bro, yeah, it's good to see you. And, and, uh, and the second guy and the third guy, and then Chris, and I was right behind Chris, and they're giving hugs to Chris, and it was all awesome. And then I, and then I, Chris moves. He goes in the house, and the, the, get, the host of the party, looks up and sees me and I'm standing here like this she's like what are you doing here I was like I was just chaperoning the walk I was just bringing these guys down here like we're we're good and I left because I literally wasn't invited to the party why because an invitation is important isn't it and here's the truth that I've discovered about our lives many times we try to force our way or step our way into something that we haven't been invited by God to. And it's not because he's a bad God. It's not because he's mean or he's evil or any one of those things. It's simply because that's not what we've been invited to because he's invited us to something else. And that's why hopefully somebody isn't trying to step into the very thing that I've been invited to. Every single one of us has a divine purpose, a divine, a divine reason, a divine rhyme. And we've got to be the type of people that say, God, are you inviting me into this? Because the worst thing that can happen is that we stand before God and we shout at him, we say, look what I built, look what I did, look at the money I earned, look at the business that I built, look at the church that we created, I spoke to the masses, I did all these things. And I stand before God and he says, but I didn't ask you to build that. You stepped into something that you were never invited into. Here's my question for us tonight. Are we potentially trying to step into something that we haven't been invited into? The invitation is important. Why? Because the invitation brings blessing. The invitation brings resource. The invitation brings God's providence in it. The invitation actually has grace upon it. You ever tried to operate in your own will? <laughs> I'd say many times we're finding ourselves operating in our own willpower because we haven't been invited to the thing that we're trying to make happen. There's grace upon it when I'm stepping into what I've been invited into. And so here's the thing. Almost five years ago now, we're going to celebrate five years as a church in February, the second weekend in February. And these past almost five years have blown my mind. I, I, I can't believe it. But I'll never forget when we first planted here, getting ready to plant, before the church had even launched. In full disclosure, guys, I wanted to plant this church downtown. Like, that's where I wanted to be at. I wanted to be downtown. And everybody said, yeah, you, you guys look like you should be downtown. You, you, you act like you should be downtown. I'm like, what does it even mean? But like, yeah, you're downtown people. And I was like, oh, okay, sure. So then I got amped on, I got hyped on it, and we wanted to plant in Sugar House, and we looked at properties there, and we ate at restaurants there, and we had coffee there, because it's the cool place to be. Like, anything that comes out of Sugar House is just awesome, right? <clears throat> and so we're down there, and we're doing our thing, and we're looking at stuff, and trying to figure it out, and I'm trying to game plan, and, and you guys, like, seriously, I had conversations with Westminster about using their buildings, and, like, that's how far deep I was into trying to make the church plant happen in downtown, 
And then one day we're leaving downtown. We're driving that, that, like the 215 as you come up over, you crest at like right about 39th or so, right there underneath Mount Olympus, and you can see the entire valley. You know what I'm talking about? And this particular afternoon, the entire valley was flooded with clouds. Just this dark haze of clouds over the top of it. And it was just kind of ugly. And as we're cresting, as we get to kind of the pen, this peak, Eric and I are sitting there, we're holding hands, and I'm super pumped because I'm like, yeah, God's bringing us to Sugar House. God's bringing us to downtown. I'm excited about it. And all of a sudden, no joke, the clouds opened. And literally the sun shone through the clouds. And it landed right on this sandy area. And right when I saw it, I was like internally, no! Why, God? And of course, she says to me, I don't think we're supposed to be downtown. And I was like, why? Because of the sun? I could tell you why that happened. There was a slight breeze, a vortex formed, the clouds opened, and the sun, which is up there all the time, showing through. It's science. She's like, no. Everybody on our launch team, they ended up getting houses in Sandy and Cottonwood Heights and Midvale. Here's the thing. If we would have planted downtown, I would have been stepping outside of the invitation for here. And we've seen nothing but God's faithfulness and goodness. Because we decided, you know what, I'm going to take the invitation. It's not the invitation that I necessarily want. But out of that invitation, we've seen nothing but, oh my goodness, God, you're so crazy good. You're so crazy good. We would have never stepped into this, this building and got everything that God has given us here if we would have went somewhere else. It was part of the invitation. The things that you enjoy, the things that, that God gives you in life, I want you to hear this, is attached to the invitation. And so, every opportunity requires permission. Every opportunity has to have an invitation number three. Every shot number three. Last one's this. Every opportunity brings opposition. That's the one we all love, right? We, go, we get all hyped in church about that one. Yeah, opposition. 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 But that's not the truth. Why? Because the human condition is this. We want as much ease as possible. I want to tell a story as we close to illustrate this, this truth. And Paul uses this, right? This is, this is part of the scripture. He kind of almost throws it away. He says, for a wide door for effective work is open to me, and there are many adversaries. That's what he says, and there are many adversaries. Almost, almost as if Paul knew this is, like, I know this is God because there are many adversaries. It was almost a flippant statement. He didn't even want to dwell on it. He didn't even want to consider it. Why? Because I personally believe that Paul was now at the place in his life, and we would read it in 2 Corinthians 11, where he would talk about all the things that happens in, in his life and in his ministry. He was now at the point that just said, listen, at the end of the day, where there's opportunity, there's going to be opposition. There's many enemies. There's many adversaries. But here's the thing. We pray safe prayers, don't we? This is what many of our prayers sound like. God, keep me safe. Keep me healthy. Keep me with lots of money. Keep me with security. Right? Please, God, don't let this be taken from me. 
We pray safe prayers. I do it, and this is the story I want to illustrate as we close. I pray over our kids every single night when they go to bed. I say, God, protect them, keep them safe. And, and, and yes, it's a noble prayer. I think God gets what I'm saying. He's smart like that. But here's the thing. Last night, my little daughter Shiloh, she's my middle one. She's six years old. This girl's got a heart for Jesus. Hopefully all my other kids, kids do. <laughs> we'll find out soon. <laughs> but Shiloh does. And so last night, she's got these two notebooks. Her mom's helping her with her cursive, and then she's got this other notebook, and she writes random gibberish. It's like hieroglyphic, and it doesn't mean anything, but to her, it means something. And so last night, she comes jumping onto the couch. We're hanging out downstairs, and she had her notebook, and she, said, she literally said this to me. She's like, Dad, I'm so excited for church tomorrow. I'm bringing my notebook. Which notebook should I bring? That's what she said. And I was like, is the notebook a fastery, like a, like a fashion accessory? Like, what are we doing here? She's like, just watch notebook, Dad. And I was like, the big one. Yeah. All right. And then she said it multiple times. Dad, I'm so excited for church tomorrow. And I said, baby, you know the rules, right? And she's like, yeah, I know the rules. And so here's the rules. On Sunday mornings, I get up, I've got a system, right? And if you interrupt my system on a Sunday morning, I'm like, I'm messed up. I've got a system, and I've got to do this system as I prepare for Sunday. And so Shiloh, we've kind of created this system together. And I said, baby, you know, if you're going to come to church with me, you've got you've to get up. You've got to do this, like, on your own. I'm not going to get you ready. I can't get you dressed or anything like that because I've, I've got to focus. And she's like, yeah, Dad. And I know for, for, like, some of you may be like, well, that's so harsh. And it's, like, just the reality of our house. And in some ways, it's really tested her resolve. This little girl gets up almost every single Sunday to come to church with me early. I get here an hour early. She gets dressed. She brushes her teeth. Sometimes. <laughs> she eats food. It's like she does everything. And she comes, she's brushing her hair. And she's like, Dad, what do you think about this? And everything like that. I'm like, it's a good baby. You're almost ready to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we hopped in the car. And then once again, she's sitting next to me. She says, Dad... She looks at me this morning and she says, Dad, I'm so excited for church. I love coming with you to church. And it was in that moment, this morning, as I was thinking about our points in this last point right here, I realized, and God challenged me, you're praying the wrong prayers over this little girl. And I was like, what are you talking about? Because here's the deal. Since she loves Jesus the way that she does, her life will never be safe. Her life will never be without hardship. Her life will never be this road of ease. She's got a calling on her life. She's got a purpose on her life. And my job as a dad is not to pray safety over here. My job as a dad is to say, God, I'm giving you this little girl who loves you so much. I'm putting this little girl that you've called me to steward, I'm putting her in front of you, knowing that you who is in me, who is in her, is greater than he who is in the world, that no weapon formed against her will prosper, but it's not going to be easy for her, it's not going to be without harm, it's not going to be without tears, it's not going to be without sweat and blood, but I know that if she's walking in your purpose, she will be okay. She's going to be okay. And the same is true for you. That same target is on your back. 
that same target was placed on you the minute you decided to follow Jesus. And we've done the church a disservice when we say that when you come to Jesus, everything is going to be easy. It's not going to be easy. There's going to be opposition. But if I know that there's opposition, I can stand and go, no, there may be opposition, but I've got the God of the universe on my side, and nothing is going to come against me. And so listen, church, we've got to understand that every opportunity brings opposition. And I don't know about you, but I want to be the type of person that no matter what comes my way, I don't choose ease. I choose his design. I don't choose ease. I choose his purpose. And I'll tell you what, it may not be easy. It's never easy. But listen to me when I say this. It is always worth it. Nothing worth anything is easy. But those that are worth everything will be and always is the hardest journey that you've gone on in your life. Will you stand to your feet with me tonight?